Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I want to talk about a huge misconception that I have fell victim to numerous times in my own life. Number one, as a Christian, I've always heard or I've been asked several different times, does being a Christian mean that you don't go through anything? Survey says, bah, not on the board. That is not true. Also, what I fell victim to was when you're going through something, you're supposed to have this, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Like nothing should ever, ever bother you. Your wings should literally be attempting to force this way out of your skin because you're like that close to being angelic. Um, nothing should bother you. <laughs> Why fret? You know, all the worry scriptures, something happens. Your posture is just supposed to be mm, Romans 8, 28. It's all working for my good. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you. You know, you're supposed to be just spatting off scripture because you believe and you just, you follow Christ. And this should be nothing that stands in the way of your peace because he gave you peace. Peace he leaves with you, not the peace that the world leaves. <sighs> Exhaustion. <laughs> like, seriously and ultimately, I want to just shake that misconception of we are supposed to have this spiritual stance first and just ignore or beat ourselves up over our human responses. Yes, we are spirit beings having a human being experience. I do think that we need to start living life inside out. But I really, really, really want to just scratch the surface of what do you do with the storm? The storm, the obstacles in your life, the frustration, the irritant, the gnats and the ants in your picnic of life. We've been talking about it for so many different ways. I went ahead and told you that, you know, I was doing the whole peace journey and really trying to get and hone in on what interrupts the peace. What do we do? Because I don't know how long you've been living, but if you breathe in the good oxygen air that I'm breathing in, yeah, this good O2, it comes with some irritations and some frustrating frustrations. So what do you do? What do you do when you're like, God, I am trying, but people are irritating, situations are frustrating, my family has a temper, you know, I personally am moody, I am an introvert around a sea of extroverts, and I just want to be by myself when people want to be in my face, I want people to be quiet when people want to be loud, and I just feel like, you know what, God, it's earth, okay, like, real talk, if you was to give me Saturn, like, just between you and I, just go ahead and, you know, beam me up, Scotty, real quick, let me go to Saturn, I think I would have a way better outcome because me by myself I'm good but when you start adding in people's tones and the way they talk and their mannerisms and the way they think like sometimes I'm looking like how did you pass fourth grade no like seriously like I at this point I'm gonna start asking for transcripts because I do not believe I believe they skipped you at kindergarten and just plopped you in the eighth grade and you've been struggling and frustrating people ever since like I believe because there's no way logically you came up with that situation you know again this may or may not be some of my inner thoughts to God but you see where I'm going you see what I'm saying and I think that is a huge disservice to read on things in people's lives especially in the Bible and have this like ugh, I don't understand because I'd be the first to admit, when I was reading about the Israelites, I was like, Moses, bro, I get it. 
them are some irritating folks. <laughs> like I totally, and it was a million of them. Personally, I've never been around a million people that were all directed to me. I've been in concerts. I don't even know if there was a million at a concert, but it felt like a million because the introvert in me was just like, it's a lot of people. Um, but I've never been the manager of a million plus. Uh, I've been around disgruntled coworkers, and that was enough for me to want to have a mental health day and a sick day all in one. Like, just give me the combo. I'm, however you want to put it on the books, I'm not coming in today or tomorrow. Just Let's just go ahead and just square that up. But... I was reading something else and felt really, really, really triggered and intrigued and all things just like, wow, I see it different. I had a week where I was extremely irritable. The downside to being a woman, okay, is that little monthly visit that we get every every month, okay? Oh. <sighs> I have been to the point that I was like, let me start tracking my moods because is it that I'm irritable more during this time or is it just that my patience is like two pints worth of the gallon that I need on a daily basis? And I just, I was getting irritated. I was like, I don't, God, I'm sorry. Like I'm really trying, like even though I'm not reacting the way that I want to react in my head, in my head, I'm saying some really mean things. And if you're documenting what I'm saying in my head, I'm in trouble on Judgment Day because I don't want to have to answer for what I called them. God, it's just, I got to have a release or something. If I can't punch something or kick, let me, let me round off real quick, you know, on my own boys in the hood. Let me punch the, the air, Cuba good and style. Like, let me just, <laughs> let me have an out. <laughs> you ever had that kind of week? That kind of day where you like, oh, if murder was legal. I mean, maybe not murder, but like if pinching you to draw blood was okay. If that didn't get somebody written up or get the authorities involved, like I would, you know, force my, my right to pinch arms. Like whatever it would be called if it was constitutional, <laughs> right? I was having one of those moments and I was just like, I have got to instill more peace in me. I mean, really, it's like if you allow life to take over and you really like micromanage and just let me just take a detailed account of what happens on a day to day. I promise you life offers you something to be irritated about every day. If it ends in D.A.Y., it's an opportunity to be frustrated. I was like, you know what? Like you honestly need the the inner Harlem shake. Like you're going to have to shake some of that off. Like, mm, 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 nope, get, mm, nope. You want, cause you're going to have to keep dodging it. <laughs> you're going to have to laugh some stuff off. You're going to have to just, ah, is it a five minute problem or is it a five year problem? Or, you know, you all the, whatever, you know, you need to repeat to yourself to keep you in line. But like life, yeah, it be, um, sparring with your peace now. Let's just, let's just be a hundred. So, Having one of those moments, and I was like, God, like, I'm trying to be peaceful. You know, gritting all my teeth, almost chipped my molar. I'm trying to be peaceful. You, you understand? Went ahead and was like, let me just Google some peace scriptures. 
because what's the fastest way to try to get you back to, you know, where you need to be is to go ahead and read what you was wired to do. Okay, great. So let's go ahead and do it. But what I did was I pulled up the scripture about Jesus calming the storm. And I'm glad that I did it at the time that I did because I had an attitude. So I was very judgmental. Ugh, they're complaining again. I don't understand. You know, just being able to look down on my Bible, not knowing that that's how the angel's probably looking down at me like, oh, here she go again. She's so moody. I just, it comes every month. Stop making an excuse. You know what you're supposed to do. Take them vitamins. Do a breathe. You don't want to exercise all the way. Get you a nice little brisk walk in motion. You could do some sit-ups. You ain't impaired. You act like it's a disability, ma'am. Okay, like, this is what the angels are saying when they're watching me. Because that's how I'm looking down at the Bible and I be reading like, I don't understand. Yeah, so I'm trying to do the whole foreshadowing. I feel like I'm pretty much doing what's being done to me. Went to Luke 8. Let me just get you to the chapter because you know me. We'll be talking and I forget what I called you for. Luke 8. I want to read the part where Jesus calms the storm. Because what better spiritual way to call an obstacle or frustration in your life or mishap of any sort than a storm? Is there any other spiritual way to call it? No, there is not. A shelter in a time of storm. You know, you can go back to the church hat. They've been saying this for years, right? So that particular story starts at verse 22 so Luke 8 22 you already know me by now I read from the NLT version let's get it with the one time so 22 one day Jesus said to his disciples let's cross to the other side of the lake so they got into a boat and started out 23 as they sailed across Jesus settled down for a nap but soon a fierce storm came down on the lake the boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. 24. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly, the storm stopped and all was calm. 25. Then he asked them, Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him? Okay, we're going to have to break that down to the elemental P. So, these boys get into a boat. By this juncture in their walk with Jesus, they have seen him do some amazing things at this point. It's not a lot of people, especially men, that's just going to go do some stuff because somebody asked them to do it. They did that in the front end, but in order to keep them staying, they saw Jesus do some phenomenal things, so we still going to go ahead and follow him. So Jesus goes ahead and says, let's go on the other side of the lake. They like, say no more, and ain't even no feedback. They went ahead and got in the boat, started out. The 23rd verse says, as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to my Lord and Savior because um, him be knowing them naps be hitting. It must have been a long way. So he knew. Let me go ahead and get this rest real quick. <laughs> because um, when you have a, when you walk with peace, you can pretty much rest anywhere. 
And that should be a word right there. The only person that I know that can do that is my husband. Shouts out to him. But um, everywhere is king-size mattress, pillow top, memory foam for him. It's just amazing. I don't know how he does it, but God bless him. So as soon as Jesus goes down for a nap, the next sentence says, but soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. And if you were unsure what fierce meant, the next sentence is the boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. So the Bible is very clear. The Holy Spirit wanted us to know, listen, this is not no like, ooh, you know, it's starting to drizzle and they don't have no umbrellas. This is like life and death, sir, is getting real. This thing is fierce. It's fin- you, Your boat is being definitely affected because it's filling with water and it's real danger. So what I envision is it's the works. It's the lightning, it's the thundering, it's the boat rocking and shaking, it's the waves getting so much so that it's just getting into the boat and it's raining. So it's water with the waves and the rain and it's, and I can't swim. So I would have been super de duper. Like, okay, you know what? And the whole time through, Jesus getting the good Z's. I ain't gonna hold you. I probably would have woke him up with attitude too. I'm not, I'm not even going to hold you. It wouldn't have been no, um, Jesus, I don't want to wake you up real quick, but can I say, it would have been like, sir, sir, you need to be getting the bucket too. You don't, you're not tasting that salt water. Yeah. I know you cold. What happened? Hello? Like it would have been some fret, you know, it would have been some fret in my voice. Not even going to hold you because again, um, this thing says it's fierce. This thing is filling up with water and she can't swim, sir. So all of this is life threatening and it's cold, which I don't do well with. So I definitely would have woke him up with an attitude. When Jesus woke up, matter of fact, rewind real quick. So they wake him up with the master, master, we're going to drown. Here's the thing. As much as I want to fault them for even going ahead and just not knowing I'm with Jesus, so I'm good. The one thing that I have to illustrate is that the storm, it may have scared them, but instead of infecting them, it directed them to Jesus. Now, you can say whatever you want about this particular group of disciples, you can look at them, you can laugh, you can go, oh, why would they even? But one thing that it did is as soon as the storm hit and it was getting life and death situation where it was getting over their head, where they seemed, mm, this is outside of my pay grade, they didn't start complaining to one another. They didn't just say, well, you know what, give up. Let's just sit here and let's just, we're we going to drown, so we might as well. It don't make no sense waking him up. He can't do nothing. It The storm directed them to Jesus and you could think about that in your own life how many times do things happen that you go directly to Jesus do you immediately open up that bill and then go mm, oh yeah I don't have that in that account I don't <laughs> these people asking for what yeah that's not gonna work and do you immediately say you know what the Bible says cast my care so Jesus here you go do you do that or does the storm of that particular piece of mail, that particular correspondence, that particular email, whatever it is, does it immediately cause a storm within you? Now you enraged and now you fierce and now you got an attitude problem and now you walking around. So what you did was you just embodied the storm instead of letting the storm direct you to where you can get that peace. And so 
I looked at that and I said, wow. Now, I don't know if they tried to do the things by themselves. I don't know if they tried to go ahead and get buckets. I don't know if they were like, oh, you know, it's enough of us to put our hands here and, and plug this particular hole. I don't know what they did, but I know one thing. The Bible says that God wants you to come to him like children. And they came to him. The only thing that I kind of look at them and go, ah, you missed it by that much is what is because they came to Jesus already with a conclusion. The Bible says, and I read it again, that in chapter eight of Luke, verse 24, the disciples went and woke him up shouting, master, master, we're going to drown. Do me a favor. When you are coming to Jesus for a resolve, don't automatically come with your concluded of conclusion of what's going to occur. When that bill comes in the mail, don't you automatically have it where, Lord, they're going to go ahead and cease my account. When you get that particular write-up from your job, Lord, they're going to go ahead and fire me. When you get that report of, hmm, we probably need to do some more testing or, you know what, we need to go ahead and this is your diagnosis and this is what we need to do next. You don't automatically claim that illness. You don't automatically stop concluding the storm before you get to Jesus. I would have respected them more if they came and was like, Jesus, the storm is out of control. Or, Jesus, water is getting in the boat. Come to Jesus with facts. With facts. This is getting out of control, sir. <laughs> wait, uh, Jesus, real quick, I want to wake you. But, like, look, this part of the boat, yeah, it's over there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a part of here no more. Come to him with facts. Jesus, this is only how much I have in my account. These people asking for that. I don't know. Casting my care, sir. You see what I'm saying? It's a much different posture to have, ooh, this is what I'm facing, opposed to this is what's going to happen to me. When did you become God? You write your beginning and end? When did that happen? Where did you get your throne? FamilyDollarInc.com? Like, where'd you, Walmart in them? Like, what happened? You see where I'm going with that? Don't you ever, ever allow the elements of anything to go ahead and conclude a canvas that you painted. No, 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 no. God says he knows the plans that he has for you. You know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. So why is it that all of a sudden something's happened on the external and you come to an internal God and say, hey, this is what's going to happen to me. Excuse me? No, no, no. When did, that, when did we start doing that? No, God, the, this, is, this is what I'm currently facing, but I know, comma. And then you go ahead and you add them to it. If you don't have the strength enough within yourself at that moment to go ahead and change the story around from the facts that you have, that is okay. But don't you dare conclude that this is an automatic end for you because of what he allowed. If it was going to go ahead and be a demise to any part of your story, any part of your plan, premature to what God had, he would not have allowed it to occur. So the fact that they woke Jesus up like, hey, we're going to drown, it's like, why did you even wake him up? You, you, you just wanted to let him know real quick? <laughs> like, you would have drowned with or without him, right? Because that's what you concluded, and that's the problem right there. So many of us already have what's going to happen in our mind that we already start walking around like it happened. 
So you see the storm, you see the obstacles, you see all the elements, and you see the facts kind of aligning to what you're concluding in your head. So you're already walking around like, yo, we getting ready to drown. You, did you hear? Jesus, we, we getting to dr drown. Huh, hey, did you hear that? Like, why are you walking around like that? You get that one right up at work, and now all of a sudden you walking around like you fired. I'm sick of this place. I'm over it. Like, what happened? That one setback financially made you feel like that's it. You're about to lose whatever tangible item that you were blessed with, your house, your car. Your, is that what you, why are you walking around like that? You let the storm get inside. And so let's see how Jesus responded to that. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Because I think, and I'm going to just pause there. I think Jesus knows us well enough to know that we are very, very, very visual beings. It would not have been enough to go ahead and just calm down the wind. You know, okay, so it's not, you know, hear that sound. It's not pretty much feeling like, you know, you, you skydiving. Cool. But we would have still looked at the waves like, yeah, but the elements didn't stop. So he knew I have to stop what you feel because we cannot see wind. Mm, Holy Spirit, lead me. He had to stop what you felt because that's what the wind represented. And then he had to stop the raging waves because that's what you're able to see. And I believe that that's how God operates in our lives. Help me, Holy Spirit. I feel like when you come to him with a conclusion, he does not play when it comes to his brother and his sister. He is a savior. And saviors, what do they do? They save. And so he knows it's not enough for me to stop your emotions and, and calm you and give you peace. And I want to give you peace and I want to comfort you. But I also want to stop the very thing that is prompting you not to have peace. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to shift and I'm going to stop some things in that order. Because in order for you to get what I'm getting ready to give you, I have to stop the things that are infecting you and impacting your peace. Mm. And what does the next sentence say? Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Mm. So he stopped the storm and there was a calm throughout. Huh. Okay. Then 25. Still in Luke 8, verse 25. Then he asked them, where is your faith? He said nothing to them after that. That man spoke two words or two times within this particular passage. Let's cross to the other side of the lake. He said nothing in between them figuring out that, listen, if you were Jesus, then that's the closest thing. That's like literally being on base. Everybody knows in tag, you can't touch me when I'm on base. You understand? Then the very next thing, he looks at them and he says, where's your faith? Where's your faith? The reason why I read from Luke 8 is because this is the one passage that because this particular thing would calm in the storm, it is illustrated in three different Gospels. It's in Matthew 8, 23 to 27. Then it's in Mark 4, 35 to 41. And it's in Luke 8, 22 to 25, which I read from. I wanted to read from Luke because that was the one that illustrated the fierceness of the storm. Like, I didn't want you to think that it was just like, it's not that serious, it's just a little bit of thunder. Like, no, it, it, it was life-threatening. But I want to read it from... Mark 4, 
because again, Mark, Matthew, Luke, we know that those were the gospels because those were the disciples that, and so they pretty much were detailing it to their point of view from their experience. So Mark four, and I'm gonna pull that up real quick because this is the part that really just translates to, huh? This is, Jesus was really, really about that peace life. So let's go down Mark four thirty five, And I'm gonna go back to the point where the disciples are like fretting. 438, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And I wanted to illustrate that because that's how calm Jesus was. It is huge for you to get that. Jesus could have peace in the midst of the storm because Jesus was peace. Jesus had peace. Jesus, when you have peace, you live life inside out. You live life internally. You don't let external events make you change how you're living. How is it that Jesus was able to get a cushion in the back of the boat and sleep peacefully in the midst of a storm? Because he does not allow external events to shift and shape how he lives his life. He lives from the inside out, and that's peace out outside. Do you see what I'm saying with that? So Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Again, they came with the conclusion. 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silent, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I'm sure it was frustrating to be Jesus and show all this wonderfulness and still feel like, oh my gosh, I still don't get it. I looked at other breakdowns of what he said. The version that I read from the NLT says, silence, be still. The King James says, and as he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still. The NIV version says, quiet, be still. And then the other versions that I'm looking up, like the new King James, and it is still, it's a rendition of either peace, be still or quiet, be still. But the one thing that does not change is that he gave a directive and then he gave instruction. It wasn't enough to go ahead and speak. Silence, peace, quiet. It wasn't enough to do that. He had to give the directive, silence, or in this case, peace. And then the instruction, be still. So this is what I went ahead and did. You know that when something rings to me and I feel like God is trying to get, you know, something embedded in my soul so that I can start living with that. I, I need a visual. I usually write it on something in the house or put it on the whiteboard, but I went and did what I always do. I went on Etsy and I got a bracelet. And I got the icon of a wave. You know how you draw a wave? It's almost like looking like you're making like a cursive C kind of thing. So it comes inward, you go inward, and it goes out. So you go to the right, that kind of thing. So I have the icon of, of the wave. I have the word peace, comma, be still. And I did that because I noticed that a wave, it comes inward, so the way that this looks on my bracelet, and I posted it on social media on my Instagram, but it's to remind me that 
as a wave is trying to come toward you, as the wave is trying to infect you, trying to go ahead and appear like it's an emotional, mental, financial, health-wise, physical, whatever tsunami, as you feel overwhelmed with this wave, always remember that it should push you towards peace. Peace, comma, anyone that's an English major knows that comma means pause on that. Peace, stop, be still. Be still. You see that? There is something in that. So when I look down at my bracelet, it reminds me, the storms are going to come. The storms of life, the obstacles, the frustration, the gnats, however you want to name it. The storms, as long as you're breathing this good O2 on this good green and blue earth, the storms are going to actually be here. But you know what actually is here too? Just the way that it was there on the boat with the disciples? Jesus. Now you got a helpmate, the Holy Spirit. You got angels assigned to you. Like you got the whole fail-proof package combo 20 whatever you want to call it you see what I'm saying so it reminds me that yeah the waves come but the waves should push you to Jesus let the waves direct you to the statement that Jesus said handle the storm the way Jesus did Jesus looked at the storm and said peace pretty much I'm I think he was literally saying I'm by the authority that I work I'm going to infect you with what I carry so peace boom that went ahead and calmed everything down and then be still meaning whatever movements is happening that's that's causing some type of you know fret or whatever it is I'm going to go ahead and give it an instruction be still nothing else to discuss I want you to have so much peace in you that you start infecting storms. You start infecting storms. Storm may be able to get inside the boat. Storm may even be able to be fierce. Storm may even, you know, can destroy some stuff. But you know what it couldn't destroy? Jesus' nap. You know what it couldn't overwhelm? The directive of peace. Be still. So, who's really in control of the storm? Why are you letting the storms move you in the way that it was moving the disciples? I called you because I simply want us handling our storms differently. I see it like this. If we're going to be dealing with stuff, we might as well deal with it in a way that you're like, you know what? I want to be the master at whatever is going to try to irritate me for all the days of my life. And so when something comes about, I'm just going to look at it and I'm going to go, oh, okay. So the storm is coming my way, but it doesn't know that um, (laughs) I'm going to just direct the storm to Jesus. And when Jesus goes ahead and speaks to the storm, he speaks to him from the inside. He speaks to the storm from the inside out. So he looks at the storm. And he says, peace. And the storm goes, oh, yeah, it's you. Now be still. Oh, guess what? From that passage on, I have never read about a storm being around Jesus or anything else ever again. And it's 66 books of this thing. You, you, when you tell something to be still, that's almost like you stopped it in its tracks. It no longer has any movement for traction. Be still. You can't do nothing after being still. Peace. You cannot 
conjure up any type of fierceness anymore, Storm, because I infected you with peace. Do you see where I'm going with that? I want you to start looking at the storms different. So you know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations. Just don't want you looking at storms and thunder and all that stuff different. I want you actually zooming out and looking at your life and going, hmm, what storm continues to make you conclude and end that Jesus, that God did not assign to you? I want you to look at that storm the way that Jesus did. Because the Bible says mightier works you would do. So if Jesus was able to do that, then you can do it to the storm too. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if you tell this mountain to go it with, without any doubt, this, the size of a mustard seed size of faith, that you can tell the mountain to go. And the mountain, guess what? It got to go ahead and boogie. It got to go. Why don't you start doing that to your storms? Start looking at your storms like, oh, you came to infect me. I'm actually going to infect you. Peace be still. If you got to write that scripture down somewhere, if you got to do like me and go ahead and get a bracelet, because that's what mine says, peace, comma, be still, just to remind me, storms come, but you know what? They're never going to come here again, not in that way, because when it knows I don't move, I don't fret when something comes my way that I actually infect what tries to fret me, um, which means Old Testament, you tried to scare me, you tried to go ahead and shake me up. When they know, when I let known in the spiritual realm, you don't have, troubles don't trouble me, I trouble trouble. When you start to get that posture stuff starts to move different it starts to feel different and when you move different and feel different you start to look like are you untouchable like no but my my peace is unshakable you see what I'm saying my challenge to you is start troubling your trouble start infecting your storm start doing things that it's like if it comes to you and you feel overwhelmed then take it to Jesus because there's nothing that's going to be bigger than him. Wherever you at, you should be peaceful. Wherever there's no peace, you should be bringing Jesus with you. Peace, be still. I want you to remember that. And I feel like you got what you needed. But as my good, good nanny says, all right, I ain't going to hold you. Peace, be still. Later.